Are we live? Yep. <laughs> Sorry. The Dream 3 Podcast, episode number 41. we got the National coming up this week. We've been off a couple weeks. We're a little slow. Let's get after it. <laughs> Are we live again? We are live again. I don't. My computer is flipping out all kinds of places. So uh, we're back. We've been off for a couple weeks. Um, glad to be back on the podcast. We've all been busy. Um, so much to talk sick. about, especially um, our favorite time of the year. The Sports Card Nationals is this weekend in Atlantic City, New Jersey. Um, unfortunately, neither one of us will be attending this year. Uh, we did attend last year's national in Chicago. So, you know, it's a big time for sports cards right now. Uh, it's a big time for the sports card market. Um, what you're going to see at the nationals is going to kind of, you know, lay out the rest of the year of how it's going to go. Yeah, for sure. Um, I, I, this is going to be also the first year that the international buyers will be able to come over, which weren't there last year because of the COVID restrictions. Mm-hmm. So I think there will be um, maybe some heavy buying in some certain areas that weren't necessarily as popular last year. Um, by me, I'm thinking basketball wise. Um, I think there could be some big buys in basketball just because of uh, those international markets who, who like basketball more than football. So um, definitely some some potential there, but I mean, I wish I was going. I wish yeah. I would. But do you think that it's going to be just as big as the Chicago National last year? Because you know they they reached maximum potential. Uh, it was great. So many people over over the week came by. Um, now the Atlantic City place is four hundred and sixty three thousand square feet. That's a lot more tables. I think it's a record for the amount of tables, the amount of vendors that are going to be there this weekend. So you're saying it's not going to be as big as Chicago was last year. So here's, here's the difference. Chicago, you have a smaller space. And I believe this is correct. You have a smaller space, but there, there were way more. There was, there, there was a lot of people. It's the second highest attended national ever this year. You're going to have more space, but I, I mean, just from, kind of a get to the destination type type um, place it's it's going to be a lot more difficult and I think with you know the economy prices of everything it kind of weeds out some of those 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 people from going um, plus being it in Atlantic City makes it a little harder for the west coast mm. it's a little easier of a trip to make to Chicago than necessarily all the way across the country Um Plus, trying to find you know a flight or a flight into Philly and then a, a rental car over. Or however, you're gonna manage that situation. I think it's it's a little more cumbersome. That's a good. That's a real there. good point because there are no direct flights to Atlantic City, right. so it's a it's a lot of travel. And it's a lot of cost. So yes. it's not going to be like you said for Chicago. At least Chicago has at minimum two airports. You have the Midwest people it's easy to drive to and where it's placed in chicago i mean it's you know anywhere it's right by the airport it's right by the airport it's yeah. it's easy access makes it easy yep. um so um next year's the national is in chicago correct 2023 i believe and then i've so. heard 24 is in cleveland mm-hmm. maybe so those those local kind of well local to me but midwest areas i think you know, do a good job of bringing in everybody. And I think me, we we talked about this, or we talked about this in our group chat that, you know, it seems like the majority of, we'll call them collectors, seem to be like Texas East mm-hmm. or out in California. Like there's no mm-hmm. in-between Denver, Utah, Nevada, Phoenix, all that stuff. Yeah, I would agree with that, especially – saw that at the the midwest monsters like 
you had a lot of Ohio, Michigan, Indiana, um, Texas, Florida, a lot of East Coast, Midwest, but you know, California, besides, you know, Burbank sports cards or, you know, uh, uh, Sasha or a couple other people like California sports cards, you know, might be big, but not, I don't think has the same traction as it does in the Midwest. Yeah. Midwest East coast. I think they're just, it's a denser population, I think. And it seems like there's not really in between anything in between like California and Texas, as far as like true collectors markets. Mm -hmm. I mean, yeah, you got Las Vegas, but Las Vegas isn't, I wouldn't say it's a collector's market. It's just a, a town, you know? So, um, from that aspect, you know, bigger shows are probably going to be kind of Midwest set or, um, or the East coast just because of location. Um, but don't get me wrong. I mean, California still got a massive amount of collectors and, and a huge population, but, um, makes it difficult for those guys to travel. So <laughs> for the national, I, I know you and me both saw it last year, but the amount of people that are not just there, but are also there with a camera crew or somebody filming them or the annoyance that is, you know, I don't want to say that social media is an annoyance, but the, the way that people treat these things is like, if you have 200 followers, you don't need somebody with a camera following you. If you're Ryan, Ryan Johnson, car collector too, and you got 50,000 and you, this is how you've built your business. Okay. I understand it. I'm not knocking the hustle, but when you go to the national, you're going to see just as many cameramen as there are people. And you know, half those guys don't know why they're there. They're just, there getting paid to film people. Uh, agreed. I think, I think it's, and part of it is this gener the generation of, of just like, you know, 2020, 19, 20, 18, 20 to 35 year olds. We'll just call it, I don't know. It's a mix of, you know, our generation and then the next generation. But um, it seems to be very social media driven. And a lot of it is self-promotion rather than, I would say, hobby promotion. So it's kind of like, a, hey, look at me, look what I'm doing. And it makes everything seem like, the hobby is so glossy and perfect and it's sunshines and unicorns and you can never go wrong. And I think it's completely kind of bogus. You know, it doesn't give a, a true reaction to the market and there's, you know, the big time, the big time guys who have been in here, been in the hobby for, you know, 15 plus years, you know, Ryan talks about this on his podcast, but I think he truly tries to give an, an honest opinion is that, you know, we, we try and we try and we try and promote the hobby, but I think sometimes, sorry, sometimes we we neglect the part of the hobby that that needs to be shown, and it's it's the market. The market is down right now. I mean, you have things selling at all time lows in the last you know two years. You have LeBron cards starting to fall under what they were pre-COVID and pre-spike. Um, you have Jordan falling below, the Jordan PSA 10 falling below where it was pre-COVID and pre-spikes. Um, you know, that I think those are market market points that and data points that we all need to consider in that, um, you know, maybe the, the market is, is becoming really soft and part of that could be contributed to the fact that there's these, there's a ton of different platforms that everybody can buy off of auction houses, you know, alt, um, eBay, my slabs, uh, golden PWCC heritage Leland's and some other small auction houses. But when you, when you, when you have so many places that you can buy, there's always someone running the same card. Mm -hmm. So, so if you're holding a high end card or a high value card, that isn't, you know, an of 10 or an of one. And let's say it's a Jordan PSA 10, just because it's easy. 
you know, an 86 player, there's one running at least once a month or twice a month, sometimes three times a month. And that's a problem because everybody sees these cards and it just becomes like the whole point of creating value and creating a, a steady growth is there's not a lot of sales of a card and there's not a lot of sales in succeeding fashion. So like if a flawless Joe Burrow goes up for sale, the only thing that's going to drive the market up is if everybody holds the flawless Joe Burrows, but if everybody's selling them, then they're just going to keep snowballing down. Yeah. 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 Uh, There was a card real quick. Yeah. Oh, two tops. Super Bowl Tom Brady auto PSA seven. And when they when the when the the kind of this Tom Brady patch auto spike started back in or after he retired in March and April, that card sold for a hundred thousand dollars. The next they they've had continuous O2 Super Bowl autos selling. This last P, PSA seven sold for thirty nine thousand dollars. So you lose sixty thousand dollars. Because everybody's flooding the market with these cards. Yeah. And, you know, we've, and we talked about this in our group message. We also think that it's uh, a reason why you see the fluctuation in a lot of these prices is because a lot of people do mostly, you know, all their buying, et cetera, online with all these different marketplaces, eBay, my slabs, prospect cards, et cetera, et cetera. <clears throat> but we're seeing over this last year, and I think, a little bit has to do with the government. A little bit has to do with it. Sometimes it's easier post COVID um, is a lot of in-person cash buying cash and trade. Mm-hmm. So whether, and, and you go back to, you know, what the market price for a certain card is, what does everybody do? They hop on all, they hop on card ladder and you see for the most part, the last internet transaction of the card mm-hmm. Even though, you know, somewhere, some other place, some other card show, you might have a transaction that's, you know, three, four, five times higher. So uh, the market representation really is driven off of Internet sales, not not anything more or less. Yeah. And, and it's it's hard to capture truly what a market or what a value of a card or a player is when you have so many different avenues of transactions and people some, sometimes just aren't buying things online like they used to because why would I set aside, you know, $50,000 in cash when I can maybe trade into a card? And there's a lot of trading going on because, you know, cash is at a minimum. Um, to that same token, you know, the markets just so it kind of it's kind of stupid and it, it's kind of, I'm not saying I'm bashing the hobby for this, but everybody's right now is trying to undercut each other. Mm-hmm. So they're, they're willing to buy cards. Everybody's makes post buying. I'm buying all day, buying all day, but they don't want to pay the, let's say it's a card just sold last week for a hundred dollars and eBay fees take out 13%. So it's an $87 sale. The people now in the market now, in the hobby now, is saying, well, I'm not buying it at comps. I'll buy it under comps. I'll pay you 60 70%. Well, when you continually undercut and you're only buying at 67, 60 70%, you're cutting 40% profit margin. And then you go and you try to resell it and you can't sell it for 70, 67 because the next person only wants it for 60 70%. And when you keep doing that and you have a card that started at $100 and then now someone rebought it for $70 and now they're selling it for $80 and now someone's selling it or buying it for $60 and they sell it for $70, you keep knocking each other down. You keep knocking these values down. Um, and it's truly just because nobody wants to pay for a card. They want to try and just flip it. Mm, they don't want to yeah. hold anything long term. They don't want to risk holding something for a worthy investment, which is, is scary, honestly, because it just means that nobody, nobody sees this hobby almost as a, an, an alternative, a true alternative investment, which is sad because you have, you know, all time, great players, sports are a a economy driver for most people, you know, in cities. And honestly, we're just, we're just kind of, I don't want to say it, but like we're turning into a different, 
you know, market where it might be like shoes where shoes were the biggest thing yeah. 20 years ago, 10, yeah. 20 years ago. Now, now it's nothing. And the same thing's happening right now to us. You see that a lot on the YouTube channels of, you know, you're making a deal in the day. Let's say you get the game used patch auto. Not only are they not, you know, sitting on it, they put it right into their showcase. So you buy from one side of the room, turn around, put it right in your showcase and try to resell it, trying to trying to continuously flip the single car, a single card throughout the show. So, you know, yeah. kind of like you said, the, the market has no, it's no longer become a, uh, you're squeezing profit margins at this point. Exactly. You're trying to pinch pennies on the dollar. Like if I sold, if I bought it for, you know, a hundred dollars, like you said, and I'm able to sell it for at maximum, if you're going to try to resell something at the way, you know, everybody's doing it off of eBay comps, take that 13% out. Nobody wants to pay that. If you're lucky to get five, 10 more dollars for what you bought it for, is that really what, you know, you're really striving for? That's, that's, I mean, that's truly what it's become is mm -hmm. everybody's trying to be a flipper and just take cards in at 60, 70% where they can turn it around and make $5 off of it. And I don't know if it's because people are using this avenue and this alternative investments truly as their job, because if it is, you're not going to make it. No. Unless you have been in this game a long time and you got high dollar assets that you can liquidate and move. Other than that, you, you're not going to be not around sustainable unless you two, truly are doing it at a high volume. Of course. Of course. Yeah. And, and, it's, and it's, it's like, it's the same premise as dumping your money into crypto and being a crypto investor right now. You would be so much underwater. You would be living, you'd be homeless. Mm, and I feel mm. like watching some of these, these YouTubers and influencers and Instagram influencers, it's like, okay, cool, you you just got something flashy, but, like, is this your real job? Because if it is, like, are you living out of your car? Because, like, it, what you're doing, like, you just look at it and you're like, how are you sustaining? Yeah. You know what I mean? Because the gen, the lay public is, or the lay, the lay collector is not sustaining the same and making the same money. So, I, I don't know. It's just, it doesn't make any sense to me, and it's become... It's become a, a hobby more about, hey, how can I show off this versus, hey, I truly enjoy the hobby for the collecting side of it. It's how much money I can make and how much I can show, oh, look what I bought. Look what I did. And it's, I don't know, the self-promotion just kind of sucks. That's more what it's turned into instead of, hey, look at me build this business. Like we, we always yeah. use Ryan for an example because he's local to you. Um, Santiago Sports Cards, you know. I think of him as he turned it from flipping cards to merchandise to now he's got this ginormous shop and, you know, he's just a normal everyday guy like us, but you, that's the 1%. The percent are the, you know, the eBay flippers who, you know, trying to make that, you know, three to 5% on a card that's not going to happen or, you know, trying to cut everybody below like we've been talking about and yeah it's not sustainable unless you're moving you know two three thousand cards a day yeah i mean if you think about well let's just do the math you got a calculator credit i got my if phone. you do two hundred fifty thousand dollars in transactions and you're making five percent of two hundred fifty thousand dollars what is that so 0 0.05 yeah. percent times 250,000 is uh <laughs> 12,500. So I just for perspective, I did over $100,000 in transactions last year. So yeah. I did over $100,000 in transactions. My profit margins I I don't even think I made over 5%. And that's documented. It's on tax. I pay my taxes on it, but I, I don't even think I made 5% on that. You know, that's so if funny. You're telling, and, and I did over $100,000 in transactions. Yeah. Let so, me pull up because since, especially since I'm on my computer, I have, uh, I have all my ROI and everything built into my spreadsheet for my cards last year, obviously for taxes. Yep. Um, 
<clears throat> so last year alone, I pulled in. So I sold, quote unquote, $54,000 worth of stuff. Yep. My profit margin. I was, <laughs> I was negative 10 K in profit. Yeah. And that's in a down market. Last year was a down market. Anything from, what was it? January, March or January to March. Anything from January, to March on mm -hmm. was a loss. And I can look at mine right now that I'm building. I don't have, well, I do. I am. My total profit right now is $14. And I yeah. have, I have in my collection from this year alone, I have done, I got to make this thing just a little bit smaller. I have, so this is just from this year only. I have, I've added 127 pieces. Crazy, isn't it? It is. I mean, people think that, you know, and YouTube does a very good job of this, of people flashing around these high dollar high, you know, this Rolex, this, this, this car, this, this. Like, you and me prove it. Yes, you, there's ginormous money involved, a $50,000 card, a $70,000 card. But the profit margin is so slim that mm -hmm. it's not like it's, oh, I traded this and sold this and I made $70,000 profit. Like if you make a couple hundred bucks, thousand or two, that's, that's amazing. Yeah, it's, it's, there's a lot of pumping going on and there's not a lot of truth going on. Of course. And and um, don't get me wrong. There's, there are great people in the hobby who tell it how it is. There's great people in the hobby who are also very successful. And I applaud those people because that is their full-time job. They are doing great. But and, there are some other people in the hobby who do this and it's all about self-promotion. And, you know, think about it. Like you're influencing, you're influencing, influencing the younger generation. Mm -hmm. And if, and if you truly aren't succeeding and if you, all you're doing is succeeding at being a, Instagram star and you're making not very much money, just enough money to pay the bills. Like, is that what you like? Is that the hustle and grind that you're trying to teach kids to do? Mm -hmm. Or do you want kids to, you know, say, Hey, this is great. This is a great opportunity to enjoy the hobby. Yeah. You may make a little money. You may lose a little money, but it's all about collecting in the end. And I, you know, where are these people going to be in 20 years? Are they going to be in this hobby? Making the same videos like Investicard? Absolutely not. Yeah, and that's that's where I have a problem. So, uh, and I've sent this to, to our group message between you, me, Squints, and uh, Robbie's cards. Um, one guy who I've I, I first I did not like, but now I've kind of it's grown on me, and I'm watching all of his videos on YouTube. Is Sports Card Radio? This guy not only he tells it like it is, and um, he he straight up calls out the people that are you know, shill bidding that are, you know, uh, he did a story about uh, BGS doing black labels. And this one guy who submitted all these cards basically got black labels, but he was part of the Beckett company or, you know, all kinds of insider stuff. You see, you know, the PSA submission thing with Mark's cards and all this stuff. And you see, you know, the inside dirtiness of the card game, which happens in any form of business, any hobby, any whatever, but a guy who's not, not afraid to, to dig the dirt on the people that are being scumbags. And, um, and you and me, like when we started this, we, we said, we're not going to be influencers. Like we're not influencing nothing. We're going to tell it exactly how it is because nobody pays for us either way. No one, no one cares what no, our opinion uh, is. Just, just so everybody knows, all our sponsorships are simply partnerships in which we promote people, and they've either one given us a couple of things just for free, 
yeah. or we've never asked for money from anybody. It's nope. not about that for us. It's simply we want to promote the people and we want to be sponsored by the people who we believe in, who are doing great things in this hobby. Yeah. Um, That's purely what it's about. Which we can do that. Like if we want to be completely honest, Graded Card Solutions sent us some boxes to use to, to ship. Yep. Uh, Nation Golf, we've had Adam Hawk on before. Me and Adam become great friends. Um, I buy all my golf apparel um, for myself and all my friends supporting Nation Golf. They're a small startup company, never asking them for money. Uh, slab Savers has provided you and me cases for our slab cards um, and for uh, uh, the travel, the uh, the single cards. And then mm -hmm. my slabs, you know, they've been grateful enough just to let us promote their name. I mean, they're yep. starting to come up. As we haven't gotten anything from them. We just wanted yeah. to promote their name. We just wanted and to they... promote using my slabs and get everybody off of eBay. So, yep. so we're not influencers. We're, we're just going out there with people that we believe in and keep on keeping on the way that we believe we would want the hobby to run. So, and it's not mm -hmm. all about making money. It's more about friendships and anything else. You know, we've, yep. we've created great friendships, especially with this podcast or anything else, but um, kind of getting off topic here. So reel us back in here, Neil. Yeah. I, and we don't want to make this sound like we're, we're dogging the hobby. Um, but, but I think there just needs to be some light shed on the fact that there are people, people in here for the wrong reasons. Uh, but there's also people in here for the right reasons who are watching your back. Um, whether that's Card Collector 2 running his um, yearly Christmas um, uh, Christmas drive, or it's Slap Socks doing this Camp Kesem charity fund. Um, Card Collector 2 also doing a trade night with Jimmy at Kentucky Roadshow. Um, and and uh, that's just a couple of people. There's numerous people in this hobby who do great things and do great things for people. Um and for this hobby. So, so let us not drag down. Um, which we just, just kind of want to, you know, take a global perspective from this, but yeah, for sure. We'll move on, um, into football. Oh yeah. Um, Cause Hopefully that seems du to be Dujanay the, bland. Yeah. Hopefully Dujanay is tuned in. It's football time. Let's talk. Boys. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, we're, we're we have a surprise at the end. Um, we just kind of threw this out there right at the end, but I think we've kind of been thinking in the back of our minds about it. We'll do a top top five um, breakout players of this year, um, people who we like um, going into this year, maybe as an investment, maybe as a hobby, um, hobby kind of, you know, breakout player, maybe just in your fantasy league, mm. uh, but just because we love football. I mean, me and you love football. So um, training camp starts from this that week. aspect, I think, That'll be great to kind of go with um, some of these players on the list. I already have cards of, so I kind of believe in them as well. But um, we'll do it at the end. 14 days until the Hall of Fame game. Right, Caleb? Yes. Um, who is playing in the Hall of Fame? Is it the Steelers and I yeah, think it's it's Steelers? Steelers and somebody Steelers. else. I don't know. Did you watch the uh, USFL championship game? I did not. Have you seen the upgrades? So you need to see the upgrades that they've done to Canton's football stadium. Um, the last time I, I went there in 2000. I'll take a road trip. Yeah, you should. Have you ever been to the Hall of Fame? No, no. I mean, I live two hours away, but it's, I probably should. So it's, it's, been, pretty, it's pretty dope. I mean, I only got to spend a couple couple hours there, but it was so cool. Um, but they've made some massive upgrades to that stadium uh press boxes big i mean when i was there and we got to practice on that because we were going to play youngstown um it was just like some little little high school stadium right next to the field now it's like it rivals most one double a collegiate school stadiums yeah um, um just from a like uh infrastructure aspect they've they that area has kind of wanted to build itself up into its own self-sustaining like economy with like a water park and hotels and stuff like that and like a an outlets like tanger outlets or, or whatever like outlet stores nike yeah. outlet stuff um so they're building that up there as well but obviously kind of to bring people know, in the, the pro football hall of fame that's that's the field of dreams for for any football fan uh but yeah you know 
preseason football coming up very soon. Um, three preseason games now, unless you play the Hall of Fame game, which is four. I do think that is a lot. That is pretty stressful on undrafted guys, lower tier guys who are trying to make the teams. It doesn't give you a lot of chances and a lot of reps to go out there. You know, training camp is really used for getting the veterans, you know, on par. Now with the restrictions on hitting, the restrictions on padded practices, you know, it's yeah. not like that. It's not like the '90s and the early 2000s when we grew up of two a days, three a days, going out there hitting and grinding, and and you know the old school way of football as we saw it. Um, it's a lot more of uh, pro pads, speed, seven on seven type ball. So the guys who are not high tier, high valued um, players, you know, it's it's tough to get at that that look to, to to make a team to make that 53 man roster. Yeah, you got to hustle and and honestly, you just got to make plays. You got three games to make plays. That's what yeah. it comes down to. It doesn't matter if you have one rep or, or 12 reps or, or a quarter or whatever. Like, you're right. Like, you have to make those plays. There, there's no room for errors if you're an undrafted lower-tier guy. Um, and I love preseason football. I, and there's a lot of people that, you know, it's it's like watching, you know, lower-tier teams or whatever. But I enjoy watching these guys try to grind and do whatever they can to make this team so I've always enjoyed the preseason, going to preseason football games and watching. I'm one of the only guys that will go to a Colts preseason game and stay all four quarters to watch because, to me, it's just as exciting to see the guys playing in the fourth quarter as it is the starters. It, it, honestly, that fourth quarter, and you get to play preseason game two, three now, which would have been game three or four you know, a few years ago, those guys are playing for their lives. Mm -hmm. Like they're playing for that roster spot and they are flying to the football. They are making plays. And I mean, it's, I mean, you talk about people are, are making a living off those games, off those last two quarters in those games. Cause it, it's, they, they don't play for ties. So everybody's trying to win the football game. So you either win or you lose. Yeah. No in between. What are your thoughts real quick on, there's been a lot of announcements this past week of a lot of throwback jerseys. A lot of teams are going to wear throwback jerseys for about two games per year. Um, I'm a big fan of bringing back some of the throwbacks. Not all of them are great. Uh, I thought the Bengals white on white with the white helmets is pretty cool. Um, That's cool. I, like I hope that. I hope the Eagles bring back the old like light green with the silver wings on the side. I like seeing the Giants bring back the old long Giants and the baby blues. Um, some of the jerseys that I saw are like, we don't need to go all black. Like the Eagle, I think the Eagles have, or the Jets or somebody has some all black jerseys. Like, come on, go to your original roots, not get crazy with it. Like Tampa Bay's bringing back the creamsicle jerseys. That's what I was about to say. Tampa Bay creamsicles. Um, I mean, I like the old Houston Oilers. I mean, you get that nice powder blue Oilers That's, jersey. I, I saw Trevor Lewan would like to bring back the Houston Oilers jerseys. One of my favorite yeah. jerseys of all time. I would hope uh, the Dolphins could bring back some of the original 90s Dolphins uniforms. I know yeah. Jonesy played a throwback game in that, and I think I have two of those jerseys. Um, yeah. The, Colt, the Colts ones suck. I, they don't need. That I like the game. I like the Patriots red jerseys. I think it's a nice throwback. The old seventies, um, the old seventies yeah. jerseys, with the old uh, Patriot helmet with the actual guy. Um, yeah, there's some good ones. There, there is some good ones. Um, we'll see. I mean, we'll see what some of those look like. Um, man, I'm ready for football. I'm so tired of baseball. Baseball's so bad. Yeah, it's besides it's just, the All Star. It's, it's but, getting yeah after the All Star game. Yeah, the home run derby's cool, but like it's just like they play 162 games and like they should have been done with the season. They have played what 85 or something like that. All right, like let's get this over with. For sure, I mean, it's you know this baseball season. I've been 
I invested a little bit into baseball before the season, and then Fernando Tatis was hurt. Boba Shett really hasn't done anything. And is Tatis even played yet? No, he has not. Is he going to? I don't think so. I was under the assumption he was going to be back in like the first couple months. Either that or he had something, you know, come back up and re-aggravate or, or not. Acuna's looked, Acuna's come back and he's played pretty well. But he's he still down. I mean, all of baseball, I guess, is down. If you did, will. you see? Did you Other see Boston? Like Otani. And... Did you see Boston get twenty-eight runs put on them? Yeah, the Blue Jays twenty-eight to five. I think is the final score. That's embarrassing. I had to text Tommy because obviously he's a diehard Red Sox fan. It's like, dude, your team is trash. And then he goes, "Well, all the pitchers are hurt." And Craig Craig responded. Pitchers don't catch fly balls in the outfield. Yeah, let, you seen let some people of those run for inside the park grand slams. Yeah, like they, they, their fielders are like blind. Oh my god, they're so bad. They're trash. It's like bad news. It's like it's like the bench warmers movie. Like that's the, that's who you got going out there. That's terrible. That's bad. I can't. Yeah, right. I can't. I can't stand baseball. Um, soccer kind of picked up. I saw Holland scored his first goal uh, today playing for man city. So I'm expecting soccer cards to come back up here in a little bit. Obviously we're getting closer to world cup. We're getting some friendly matches going on. Um, Josh, I keep texting Josh and Josh's Josh's card collection of soccer keeps growing by the day. Like he has to Is have his wife pissed off. Yeah. Uh, she has to be because there's no way it's not triple what my collection is currently. He he's going to have to have a major sell off here at the world cup. I think so. There, our goal is we're going to try to go to uh, 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 the Kokomo card show and set up his vendors if he's got the weekend yeah. off. I'm going to go no matter what. Have uh, you heard anything about the um, – you went to the Midwest Monster, right? I did. Did you hear anything about them doing one in October? Yes. Uh, October 6th through 8th. That or- would be a huge one for soccer. It would be. Oh, for sure. For sure, um, I'm gonna try to make. I'm gonna try to make that show. I gotta find. I think Andy, Andy from Andy Card Exchange, he's putting that on. I, I'm yeah. pretty sure it was October eighth through something. Or no, the eighth okay. is a Saturday, so uh, it'd be the seventh, eighth, seventh, eighth, ninth. Yeah, yeah, that'd be that would be a fun one. I'm gonna try to make it to that one. It, it was a, it, it was a even though it was a first time show, it was well put on. There was mm-hmm. freaking so Tons much people, so much to see, so many vendors, and it wasn't like you know little hodgepodge vendors. I mean, it was some of the big name. It was a lot of the big name people. Um, and who else was there? Beckett, Beckett was there. Grading cards. I mean, there was a lot of stuff. Beckett grade card. Um... RBI crew, sports car junction. Is that it? Sports car junction? Steel sports car junction was there. One of one was junction. there. Uh, um, Brian was there. Uh, yeah, there's a ton. Uh, there's Pops, you know, yep. all kinds of people were there. So hopefully yep. I'm going to get my feet wet August 13th at the Kokomo Card Show. Try to, I don't know. I, I mean, I don't care about selling. I do have a ton of dollar boxes and 25 cent boxes that I'm kind of looking yeah. to move and a lot of kind of memorabilia stuff so i'm uh, gonna go up to mark's i'm taking chris jones with me so he can sign some autographs as a super bowl champion oh he is yeah mark wanted uh mark always likes to have you know a couple celebrity signers like chris lytle or mark mark coleman or you know whoever where's, where's chris living at he is i don't know if he's moved back to brownsburg yet but he was in zionsville okay is he gonna? Is he gonna try to get over in the strength coach? At no, Brownsburg? he's he's coaching. Uh, he's part of the coaching staff on the football team this year. Oh, he is. Yeah. <laughs> is is Hart still the coach there? Yes. That's a good. That's a good guy to bring back. Well, when you get paid a hundred thousand dollars a year and for to, you know, do football and the coaching staff is like fifteen deep. Yeah. It's crazy. It's, it's good staff. He's also taken over the strength and conditioning yeah. for the football team. 
Good. Which is also good. All right. Let's get into our little uh, top five breakout okay. players. Yep. You want to start? Um, I, this is not in any order. Uh, it's just kind of how I have them written down. Uh, first one off the top of my mind, Tua. I'm going to say Tua is surrounded, obviously, by Tyreek Hill, Jalen Waddell. Um, the Dolphins have really gone all in, spending money in the right places to – make two of the man. He has the weapons around him now. That's why I feel like he could be a good investment. Maybe not, you know, spend all your money on a national treasures card, but maybe get some immaculate, some, you know, some lower tier prism, something like that. Um, because if Tua plays, doesn't have to play lights out. He's got to be a game manager and just make the throws. If he makes the throws and let Tyreek and let everybody else do their job, it's going to make him look like a world beater. So that's why I have two on my list. Um, I think he could be a breakout player in 2022-23. I like that one. Oh, just so you know, these are no specific order. Yep, yep. So, um, I like that one. Um, first one I will bring up um, is J.K. Dobbins. Uh, coming off an ACL injury, mm-hmm. uh, playing in a really run-heavy offense in Baltimore. Lamar's coming back healthy. I think JK kind of sets the tone with that job. Um, he's shown flashes that he's good. I hate Ohio State players, but one thing Ohio State does do, do well in the NFL is bring out good running backs and mm-hmm. wide receivers. Mm-hmm. Um, and he's going to be uh, he's going to be a good back this year. I thought JK. I, I was wasn't I wasn't invested in JK, but I had a good amount of JK stuff. And you're right. I think you know caught a bad break with his knee and come back this year um, yeah, even that stronger. That defense should be stronger. Um, the Ravens should be good. Next one I have on my list. Um, this guy will only do well if he has help from my from somebody who I believe is on your list. So I'm going to go A.J. Brown with the Eagles. So if Jalen Hurts, and you've seen the pictures of Jalen Hurts, all super jacked up. Uh, He's a weight room warrior. Um, A.J. Brown has kind of been non-existent in the NFL the last couple seasons. Obviously, being with Tennessee, it's tough when Derrick Henry gets the ball 50, 60 times a game. And Ryan Tannehill, you know, can't not – get knocked unconscious or get sacked every other play or just hurl it up. Um, AJ Brown, Philadelphia paid a lot of money for him. So we're going to find out real quick if he's that freaking nature nature that we all thought he was coming out of old miss. Um, and if he's going to be a real big time guy in the league, I think AJ Brown is a, uh, is a sleeper pick for this year. AJ, if I'm not wrong, AJ and Antonio Brown are related, right? I, I think don't... they are. I think they're cousins. They might be. I don't know. That you'll have I'm to worried. fact check me on that, but I think they're cousins. I think they're related. If if they are related, they look they look a little similar. If they are related, it helps out his genes a little bit. I think he's talented though. I think he's a talented player. Yes, they are cousins. They are cousins. Yeah, I like that. Antonio Brown, if he had any mind, any right mind, he would probably be a a top five wide receiver all time. Be a Hall of Famer. I mean, he's borderline there already. But it's kind of like it's kind of like the the Chad Johnson argument. He's better than Chad Johnson. But he has the Chad Johnson has the numbers, but the antics don't let him in. Antonio Brown's going to feel the same. Antonio route. Brown in his peak is better than Chad Johnson. Well, a hundred percent. But how many? What was it? Two? Was it? Was it two times? Or how long did it take for To to get in? Because To wasn't first ballot. No, I mean, I mean, I mean, how many years can you be on the ballot? I, I don't know off the top of my head. But obviously, T.O. is better than both wide receivers statistically, yep. physically. Statistically and physically and speed, everything. 
So, um, but yeah. All right. I will match your AJ Brown with a, another wide receiver in the same division. Okay. CD Lamb. And the reason why is you have all the pressure taken off from Amari Cooper. So he's gone. CeeDee Lamb is now the focus of Dak Prescott. And Dak's going to have to throw if they can't get the running game going, if they have injuries to the O-line like they did last year. He's going to have to throw, and he's going to have to rely on CeeDee. If CeeDee can catch the ball and not drop the ball, CeeDee Lamb will be a top-five wide receiver in the NFL this year. He's He's got the talent. He's got the talent. Um so I like CD. I haven't bought his cards yet just because I don't I try to stay away from anything non-quarterback related. Um but I do like CD Lamb. Definitely in fantasy football. It's not a bad it's not a bad not a bad choice. Yeah, I I was pretty I was pretty high on CD Lamb. I thought with Amari Cooper there he was gonna get a little bit more looks than he did. But I, I think, think Amari was getting a little frustrated, and that kind of played into why mm-hmm. certain games he would get looks and certain games he wouldn't. Uh, ne- next player I had on my list, um, he did very well for me in fantasy. Um, doesn't Didn't get the love that I thought he would, but DeAndre Swift with the Lions. Um, That's kind a of a one. Kind of a, a, a dual threat back who can catch and who can run. Um, the Lions obviously, hopefully, getting better. Um, quarterback situation, Jared Goff, we'll see what he can do or how long he's going to actually be in place before the Lions start to figure out somebody else. But I think DeAndre Swift is a, multi, a multi-tool type player that is super cheap that you could invest in and probably – He's not a, a pounding running back like Jonathan Taylor. Let's say same draft class guys. But guys who can catch the ball out of the backfield and run. He reminds know. me a little bit of um, Aaron Foster. Now, Aaron was a really good, really good runner. But Aaron could catch the ball and run the ball like None other. Yeah, uh, I agree. Arian Foster type style. Yeah. Arian was just really smooth runner. But do you hear that? No. Okay. Is your baby crying? Yeah, he is. I was going to say, I we'll think I mine is too. Up. Yeah, we'll have to wrap this up quick. All right. <laughs> Go ahead. Number three okay. for you. Um, what are we on, three? Yep. Okay, I'm going to go Joe Burrow. And the reason okay. why, he got better. Team got better. He's got another year of health underneath him. He just came off of a Super Bowl loss, but he knows how to win games. Came off of the highest completion percentage in the NFL. And what, what other statistic did he have? I think it was yards per attempt or yards per comp- completion. High efficiency player. They're going to look for a new narrative now that Aaron Rodgers is pretty much toast out in Green Bay. So I like Joe Burrow for an MVP. Ooh, yeah. Not bad. I'm going to go uh, number four on my list is going to be Matt Ryan. Obviously, better situation, has the team around him. Um, Still, rumors are flying that Julio Jones might be coming to the Colts. Uh, Doesn't sound like T.Y. Hilton's coming back. You have basically the best defense in football. You have arguably one of the top five offensive lines in football. You have the number, you know, top three running back in football. Manage the game. Same thing like Tua. You manage the game. You look like a superstar. Your legacy it just gets added on and people forget the Super Bowl loss. Yes. All right. Number four, Davis Mills. I know this sounds crazy. But the guy actually threw the ball really well last he year. He can play quarterback. And he's got a little more help on offense. He just like had last year he had a trash ass team around him. If he can get if he can get any bit of help, 
he's going to be a people. He's going to be a team or a player that people are like, whoa, why is this guy good? Yeah, like this guy's good. And yeah. and I didn't expect it either, but I was just watching. I watched him play some games. I'm just like, how is he doing this? Like he's playing with nothing. So I I don't know. Cheap. It's a cheap. It's a cheap quarterback, Davis Mills. Okay, last one for me. Um, didn't play a ton last year under the radar. Uh, Jacksonville Jaguars, Travis Etienne. I think Travis yeah, Etienne play didn't play at all. Um, obviously teammates with Trevor Lawrence back in the day was killer at Clemson. Um, we'd like to see him get the ball this year with James Robinson. Um, James I Robinson coming off of an Achilles tear. Coming off of Achilles' tear, I think Travis Etienne could be a DeAndre Swift type back. Can block, can catch, can run. Um, so multi-tool that can be dangerous if the rest of the Jaguars don't suck a lemon like they do every year and just be dirty brown trash water. They are the Jacksonville Jaguars. That's right, they are. Yep. All right, last one for me. Um, piggyback off of A.G. Brown, Jalen Hurts. Uh, Jesus, they have an easy, a really easy schedule. The defense is bolstered. Offense is bolstered. This is kind of this make-or-break year for Jalen and Tua. Um, if you if you really want to kind of think about it, make-or-break for these guys um, on kind of their NFL career. I think I think the Eagles open up four and zero, and then maybe they get something rolling. But they have an easy schedule to make the playoffs. So mm-hmm. I like Jalen Hurts. Been buying Jalen Hurts. So. Yeah, you have. Yes, you have. Well, another good podcast for us. Thank you, everybody, for tuning back in. I know we've been away for a little bit, um, but we will try to get right back at it as soon as possible, maybe update everybody after the Nationals, kind of what we saw, what's going on in the hobby. Thank you again to all of our friends at My Slabs, at Slab Savers, at Nation Golf, and at Graded Card Solutions. Remember to download the podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, or the YouTube page. Feel free to share, follow, ask us questions, follow us on Instagram. Um, So until next time, we will talk to you all later.